live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. We live in interesting times. I think a couple lessons are becoming clear after the weekend. First, let's get this out of the way. As we've been discussing for a number of days now, I think everybody, everybody can agree that the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis a week ago in police custody was a homicide. Now, I don't, I don't know. We can argue about whether it was first degree premeditated murder. Was it third degree homicide? We all agree it was examples of police misconduct. The man who is responsible for this has now been charged. He will be brought to justice. At least you hope he will be brought to justice. But I think we can all agree that this was an example of police misconduct, which raises questions, I think, that need answers. How could something like this happen? Is it systematic? Is it isolated? So let's let's agree with that. This was wrong, and the police officer has been charged. He is in custody as we speak. So to the extent people are saying no justice, no peace, well, the, the justice system is working the man has been arrested. This isn't an example of somebody going scot-free. He's in custody. So you have that, and that is appropriate. I think we can all agree with that. I have not seen any commentator on any side of the aisle, whether it's liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat. I haven't seen anybody trying to justify that terrible videotape indicating what, again, I believe is a homicide. So let's put that out of, out of the question. It's wrong, needs to be addressed. The other question then becomes, what do you do by the general, how do you gauge the general public response to this? And as happens all too frequently in this country, where you have an example of apparent police misconduct, you see people that will take to the streets and they will express their outrage. That is an important part of America, the ability to freely protest. And that, that is, that is important. You wonder sometimes what the objectives of some of the protesters are. What are they really trying to accomplish with the protest? But people have a right to protest. There is no question about that. And I think in many, many, many communities across the country over the last several days, you have seen the vast majority of people who have exercised their First Amendment right to protest, and they have done it in a peaceful and a responsible fashion. Now, I understand we're living in the era of a coronavirus pandemic, and we have all these rules about mass gatherings, but those rules apparently no longer apply. But that's that's all right. I, I understand that to try to apply coronavirus standards in the wake of such large public outrage would be completely and totally inappropriate. All right, so let us also agree that the vast majority of the protests which have been conducted and the people who have gone out to protest have done so, at least in my opinion, in a responsible fashion, which brings us to that small percentage of the people who have 
been, well, I, I will use the term opportunistic. They are not protesters. They are rioters. They are opportunists. They are criminals who have used the guise of the protests as an excuse to burn, to loot, to rob, in general, to cause chaos. Now, authorities have a, tr- a difficult time because, at the one hand, you do not want to. On the one hand, you do not want to overdo it. You you don't want to restrict people's right to engage in legitimate, peaceful protest. People want to march. They want to chant. They want to sing songs. That that I think is appropriate, and it needs. And I think. You know, law enforcement needs to give people a wide berth within which to do that. That's why over the weekend when Mayor Barrett, for example, in Milwaukee, you know, put in curfews. I I understand what he was trying to do. Part of the problem, though, is what's the good of of putting in a curfew of 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. if you're you're not going to enforce it until midnight or 1 o'clock in in the morning? But nevertheless, I, I think the Milwaukee Police Department, by and large, did a very, very good job of allowing the protests and the protestors to exercise their First Amendment rights. Now, there was a little bit of violence in Milwaukee, but I think they did a reasonably good job of trying to keep that under control and in trying to find the appropriate balance. There are other communities that did a lousy job of this. Saturday night, Madison was complete and total chaos. Matter of fact, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I sent out a, a link to one of the stories about what went on in, in Madison, where you had 75 or more businesses that were vandalized, looted, or both, along with break-ins at businesses way away from the riot that occurred in downtown. Clearly, you had people in Madison, and we can argue about what percentage of the people it was, but you had people in Madison who decided to use this as an opportunity to, uh, again, loot liquor stores and grocery stores and pharmacies and things of the like. Um, interesting, uh, there was a, a piece in the, the newspaper describing what happened in Madison, and it says, about an hour before two squad cars were destroyed and one engulfed in flames, Madison Police Chief Wall said arrests were not planned Saturday night because police were outnumbered and did not want to escalate tensions. Let me read that sentence again. About an hour before two squad cars were destroyed and one engulfed in flames, the chief of police in Madison said arrests were not planned Saturday night because the police were outnumbered and did not want to escalate tensions. Let me translate this to you. All right, yes, the protesters, you guys are fine, but anybody else that wants to come out and if you want to loot and burn and steal, just go ahead because we don't have any intention of trying to stop you. And as a matter of fact, that's pretty much what happened. My understanding is Madison, during the riots on Saturday night, and yes, that's the word I'm using, they only made a total of three arrests. How can you only make a total of three arrests when you have 75 businesses being vandalized, you have squad cars being set on fire, all these various things? In Minneapolis, which has been the, the center point, ground zero, of course, for, you know, what's going on around the country. You know, Minneapolis spent day after day after day where you had the rioting, you had the looting, you had the arsons that followed the peaceful protests. It's only now starting to get under control in Minneapolis because finally over the the weekend, you had a huge police presence. 
you saw thousands of Minnesota National Guard members combining with law enforcement officers from all over the state. And what they did, they were on foot. They were in police cruisers. They were in military Humvees. They were in helicopters. And what they did is they fanned out to try to disperse crowds to stop looting and violence before it began. They used tear gas, projectiles. They handed out curfew violations instead of waiting to contain the unrest. So they decided in Minneapolis to get proactive before you could have the, the continuation. Now, they didn't do that the first several nights, and you saw looting and you saw burning. But now they've decided, look, we, we, we just can't let this go. We've got to be proactive, and we've got to get ahead of this. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I look at this, and to me, I think this has got to be the lesson moving forward. I do not know how long these protests slash riots slash you know, criminal behavior is, is going to occur. You know, is this going to be something that peters out after another couple of days? Is this something that goes on for a week or two? I, I don't know. But I do know that authorities need to be proactive and they need to be aggressive in not allowing the looting to continue and to do what they did in Madison on Saturday night, which is essentially just to sit back and say, oh, my gosh, we're overwhelmed. That's not the answer to this. To the extent that you can see that bad stuff is going to happen, you need to have that heavy police presence. And again, I, I'm, I, I know the police don't want to overreact. Nobody wants to overreact and make this worse. But you just simply cannot allow the rioters, the looters, the arsonists to dominate a city, any city. And that's what's been happening the longer you allow this stuff to go on. Allow the legitimate protest, but if you're going to impose curfews, I think you've got to start enforcing the curfews. And if that means you've got to start making arrests, and if people are throwing bricks and rocks and things like that at the police officers who are trying to enforce order, well, maybe that's the time that you, you start to move in and you, have, you start to say, okay, if you're not going to follow the rules, we're going to have to start making arrests. Sitting on the sidelines does not work. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, a, a note to the legitimate protesters, the stuff that goes on with the violence, the looting, the arson, that undermines your cause because there's a lot of people out there that are sympathetic to the overall and the overarching theme of, you know, here you have another example of, in this case, a black man who dies in police custody at the knee of a white police officer. There's lots of people of goodwill and good faith who are completely appalled by this, but at the same time, when you turn around, on every time you turn on the television or listen to the radio and you hear stories of, okay, these buildings are being burned and looted, and here police cars are being set on fire, and somebody just you know committed arson on a police station, all right, it, it doesn't help the cause. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We uh, start taking calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tony in Menominee Falls. Tony, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Well, I think it's sad. It's sad that, uh, you know, innocent people, innocent taxpayers who rely on the police uh, for their services 
uh, were pretty much abandoned so that politicians and police chiefs could pander to criminals. Uh, I, I think that's sad, you know, and it's, it's not only sad. I think history has proven that attitude to not only be uh, completely wrong, but completely ineffective. It just adds to more rioting. So it, it's astounding to me. Go ahead, Jeff. No, no, no. I mean, I, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, there was a story in the front page. Uh, it was in the, the newspaper over the weekend. It involved it was an African-American woman who owns a, a cell phone store on, on North Third Street, I think, is where it was located. And, and what happened is the the, the place was looted you know, by, on, the, the other night by yeah. you know, the vandals and the rioters. And, and this is, you know, this is a woman who's part of the, the community. She's African-American. She's saying, I'm just trying to make a living. You know, I, I, I'm as appalled as anybody about what happened in Minneapolis, and here there's people breaking into my store, destroying my, pro- destroying my property, and stealing everything they can. And I think you're, you're right. Everybody has a right to say, you know, wh- where are the police? Why aren't you protecting my, my property? Which is why the police need to be more proactive in not letting, not letting the vandalism get out of hand. And, and I guess I can't fathom voting for a politician who would want that system. And yet that's what many of these politicians wanted. Yeah. I can't fathom that. You know, it's, it's like the, the gentleman who had the restaurant who said he had, he had withstood uh, COVID-19, but this is going to put him out of business. You know, that's yeah. so sad. They relied no, on the police. They had, they had a belief in the, in the police that they would do what they had taken an oath to do, and they were left abandoned. No, thanks for the call. No, I, I, and, and that is that. See, that's the flip side of it that gets covered up or lost in in the the, the genuine outrage that, that people have. But there is a right way to do things, and there is a wrong way to do things. And you know, you, you saw the wrong way to do it. You saw it in Madison, where both the police chief and, and the mayor. Um, who, who actually, I, I think, was probably partially responsible for just saying, let's stand down, let, let's let the destruction occur, or at least sending the, the messages that, you know, this type of stuff uh, certainly, well, here's what she said. This was not a case of a protest turning violent. This was a case of a protest successfully completing, concluding peacefully, and then a relatively small group of people causing violence and property damage. Uh, no, it was, it was all, it, it's all part and parcel. And you have the people who are out there protesting, and unfortunately, maybe they were exploited by by the rioters, by the looters. But it doesn't make any difference. You, you got to separate that out, and you you just can't stand by and allow people to torch police cars or or to loot buildings. It's not right. And one of the things you saw, it finally, the the Minneapolis mayor is is completely and totally useless. He he was. He just after standing day after day, I'm going to put in a curfew and then I'm not going to enforce it. Finally, I think the governor has stepped in and they've recognized you need a massive police presence to keep order. And then then let's go from there. Let's figure out what the next step is. But you can't you can't do anything. You can't move forward as long as you have people that are intent on burning buildings and looting stores. Jim in St. Francis. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Um, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. If you are going to, for these police departments, if you are going to, uh, uh, and cities, if you're going to have a curfew, you need to enforce it. And you need to uh, let the criminal element know 
we are not going to put up with this garbage. We are not going to put up with this behavior. If you do this, you are going to be arrested. Uh, and uh, I was so glad to see last night that uh, the police uh, drew the line at uh, the entrance uh, uh, to Sherwood on Oakland Avenue and set the line and said, no, you're not going to come by us. You are going to stop here, and you are going to go back. And if you don't go back, you're going to be arrested. That, mm-hmm. If you're going to set the curfew, that's what you have to do. On Saturday night, I got a chance to watch how well that worked in the Suburban Police Department. Uh, on on 70, uh, the old uh, uh, 70, Spring Mall Shopping Center on 76th sure. in Cold Spring, uh, there was about 7 o'clock at night, there was a meetup for uh, the South Side protest. There were like 200 carloads of uh, mostly young Hispanic males pulling into that uh, parking lot, uh, apparently with the intent of closing down 76th Street and then marching down to Southridge. And, I mean, they were openly displaying, you know, uh, baseball bats and whatever net. Greenfield police responded. Five five uh, cars immediately. They uh, uh, maintained a border around there. I was uh, dining out at a restaurant near there, so I pulled over to the parking lot to go watch this. The Greenfield Police Department, very uh, 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 professional response, but they, uh, they, you know, as these, uh, you know, thugs are getting out of their vehicles, they came out, and you could hear them on the loudspeaker saying, you are in Greenfield, you are not in Milwaukee, you will not be, you are not going to be taking over 76th Street, you are not going to be closing it, disperse now, leave now, or you will be arrested. And you know what? In a half an hour, they all got back into their cars. They all went back east again. Situation diffused, no problem. That's what all of these police forces across America have to do and enforce the laws. And that if you want to peacefully protest, that's one thing. But you want to engage in crime and and looting and uh, burning things and breaking glass, that's another you are a criminal. Thank, yeah. You are not protesting anything. You need to be arrested. Yeah, th- thanks for the call. And I, and I guess, you know, one of the things, I and, and you're starting to see examples of this, of, of, for example, the protesters who are, you know, when you have people who are engaging in violence. And I've seen some of these, you know, nationwide, you know, the, the protesters are actually helping, helping grab, you know, some of the people that are engaging in, in some of the more destructive behavior. And I think that's a positive thing, too. Now, I'm not encouraging a police overreaction because, you, again, you, you, you don't want to escalate things. You just can't allow buildings to burn. We're going to pick it up right there in just a couple minutes. A lot of people on the line. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. We live in interesting times, huh? Yes. Uh, you know, I always call you, so um, uh, you have a great show. I'm going to get right to the point. Um, I'm I'm in the middle with this as far as the political aspect. I'm going to focus on real fast. Uh, Donald Trump, because uh, I know you get a lot of heat from that you're a Joe Biden lover in that case, okay? Um, it, you know, Trump had a, a chance to, on Sunday, to address the nation. And I guess he was hunkered down in his bunker or whatever he was doing, what have you. He could have addressed the nation as a president and say, hey, listen, I don't condone this situation, and we as a nation, we need to do 
uh, the right thing. And he had an opportunity to get votes. That's how I looked at it, you know. He had a golden opportunity to say, listen, on all the broadcast channels, CNN, everywhere, right? He could have just mm-hmm. said, hey, the president's about to speak right now. Listen, I'm going to tell you that this is, I do not condone any of this. But what did Mr. Trump do, though, to help you with that? And then my second point is this, uh, can you address that? think that now that we have the, uh, the National Guard here, and that um, uh, given the state of what's going on right now, I think it will continue again tonight, and that's there, too. And uh, as far as Wauwatosa and people are trying to protect their borders, are we going to have more anarchy with that type of situation? Mm-hmm. But I just want to go back to my main point is that Trump had a golden opportunity to steal votes and say, hey, listen, I, I, I don't condone any of this to actually address the nation. What do you think? Yeah. Well, Marcus, thanks for the call. I, I wouldn't use the phrase steal votes, but I, I have I, the, this president is a president unlike any other. And I, I said this on, on Friday, and it's funny that you make I have a couple of listeners who um, you know, you're, you're just a Biden lover that they say that every time I, I say stuff that's critical of the president. And then when I say stuff that's supportive of him, I, I hear from everybody else on the other side. So that, that tells me maybe I'm doing something right by, by trying to have a nuanced view and calling him like I see him. I said on Friday's show, I did not think the president's remarks were helpful when um, instead of trying to calm stuff down, he, he you know referenced the former Miami police chief and used the phrase, when the uh, looting starts, the shooting starts. I, I just I thought that was at best it was flip. You know, when, when you had a, a real concern, especially with the, the outbreaks that were going on, you know, across the country. And I think it was a mit, what I would describe as a missed opportunity. Now, now I understand that I, I don't think that, you know, that the fact that people are deciding to try to burn down, you know, Los Angeles or burn down uh, Minneapolis or whatever. I don't think that's tied directly to the president. But I thought it was an opportunity for the president to come out and, and try to be more statesmanlike. And but th- that that is not the president's modus operandi. You know, and today that that's the report. Eric Bilstead had a little bit of it. There was apparently a conference call with the governors and, and President Trump took the opportunity to. Well, the way the story reads is berate the governors describing them as weak and urging them to try to dominate unruly protests, uh, which, I, you know, I, I guess if, if the sentiment is, gee, you need to have a police presence to stop this stuff from getting out of control, I, I agree. That, that's what I've been arguing. That's what I've been saying for the last 45 minutes. You, you, you cannot allow the rioting to get out of control. And that's what you saw. You saw in Madison on Saturday night where the police just decided we're not going to do anything. And they had apparently the blessing of, to an extent, the police chief, and I think certainly the mayor, to, to, to allow the destruction to occur. You can't do that. In Minneapolis, over a several-day period, the, the, the mayor... Very, very, you know, I, I don't know what the mayor was doing. I think the mayor in Minneapolis got completely overwhelmed by this. And, you know, you say, okay, we're going to have an 8 o'clock curfew or whatever the curfew was, and there's no police presence at all till midnight, and everything's burning and the looting is going on. Well, now I, I do think you have... You have the National Guard called out in, in various places, and I think we've moved to that next phase where I don't think... I don't think the out-and-out vandalism that you saw this weekend, the arson, I don't think that's going to be tolerated. And, and I think to an extent what you're going to see is, like, I think also I think you're, you're seeing people in the protest movement who are starting to recognize that because this, 
this is not helpful. And I have somebody who sent me a text saying, well, well, Jeff, rioting is the only way we can get people to talk about the, the murder of, of George Floyd. Well, yes and, and no. The idea is if you're trying to bring about change and we're trying to say, okay, maybe you've got a systematic problem with police officers in this country or in the Minneapolis Police Department, the way you win hearts and minds is not by looting your community and setting fire to buildings because, I, I'm sorry, that turns more people off than it turns on, and it loses you, you lose sight of what the ultimate message is. Okay, yes, you, you have you know a, a man who was murdered, I'll use that word, at the hands of a police officer who needs to be brought to justice. But if, if your idea is, okay, now he's been charged, now that there have been criminal charges brought, we are going to have a small subset of, of the, the people who are protesting, engaging in riots and things like that. If you think that's a way to bring about change, I'm sorry, you're absolutely wrong. You're just completely totally wrong because the vast majority of people and i i don't want to use the phrase silent majority because i guess that has nixonian overtones or whatever but the vast majority of of people who i think you know look at the looting and the burning and the arson and the you know throwing rocks and the assaults and stuff like that and they go look that this is you know it's tough for us to want to befriend or side up to people who are you know being supported by the protesters all right, we're going to take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Curtis in Madison. Curtis, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it very yes, much. Sir. Um, sure. Just a couple of quick comments. I know you might not have a lot of time. Um, I believe there's two really uh, categories of people uh, protesting or demonstrating here in Madison. There's protesters and there's rioters. First off, the protesters are peaceful. The mayor came out on Saturday uh, midday and complimented them on peaceful protests. Families were down there. It wasn't a problem. At night, the rioters come out, and they're about one-tenth, I don't know, one fifth the strength of the protesters so the police aren't outnumbered they just let this happen and the mayor is kind of anti-police and the county Mm -hmm. exec is kind of anti-police and the city council is kind of anti-police and we just had a a police chief quit we have an acting police chief here actually and um goodman's jewelers was one of the uh, stores looted and there's nobody in the community i don't that i can think of that's done more for the south side the Goodman Pool, they donated millions of dollars to that, and it's enjoyed by everyone. Um, you know, I don't know. No, that's a business that never should have been looted. And the police were outnumbered a lot during the Scott Walker protests, okay? Right. And there right. was, I don't know, fifty or 100,000 people down here, but nothing got looted. Right. Nothing got broken right. into. And it was a I, I got to tell you, Chris, I, for the life for the life of me, I do not understand how, given the carnage that went on the streets of Madison on Saturday night, how there could have only been three arrests. And of course, they'd come out earlier saying we're, we're not going to make any arrests at all. I mean, how you can just essentially turn the city over to that 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 when you're like you say the protest morphs from a protest into the the anarchy that was going on but how they could have just stood by and let it happen is just mind-boggling to me mind-boggling well well, i agree with you fully i mean what should have happened was like the rudy giuliani playbook they should have said okay first guy that throws a rock or gal 
um, get him, arrest him. Second guy, yeah. our gal throws a rock, arrest them too. And then all of a sudden, nobody starts throwing rocks anymore. And it doesn't right. go violent. But that's not right. what they did. I mean, I, I, why should I be paying my property taxes here? I mean, I don't have the police protection. I mean, what happens if this thing spreads out from downtown? I don't know. Um, yeah, no, no, it's just no. That. Thanks for call. No, no. I thanks for call, Curtis. I mean, I appreciate. And again, it's it, it. That's the frustration that's there. And I think you know it, the the people who are leading a lot of the protests. I mean, they they understand that as well. But the part of the thing that happens is when when you. When, when you start doing this stuff, it's easy to see how it gets out of control, and it's very, very difficult to separate the legitimate protesters from those who are out there. Again, the people I'm describing is, is the opportunists, the, you know, the folks that, hey, this is my chance to go loot the liquor store. This is my chance to you know, break into the pharmacy and see how many prescription drugs I, I can grab and run out with. This is my chance to go into Target and see if I can grab that big screen TV. That's, this isn't protest. Let's understand this. This is it's not civil disobedience. What what it is is it's just it's pure criminal behavior. And again, it undermines, at least in my opinion, that the message that the protesters are trying to communicate. Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. Hi, Mark. What do you think? Well, uh, a couple of other callers uh, summed it up pretty succinctly, but uh, we, we got to focus on the fact that there are a lot of different groups out there. Um, but I just keep going back to the same, the focal point of this is where we draw the line between violent and nonviolent protests, uh, specifically in terms of destruction of property. Can I ask you what your stance on the Boston Tea Party is? On the bot. Oh, no, Mark, you're, you're not going to try to equate the Boston Tea Party with what's been going on over the last couple of days, are you really? I'm, I, I most certainly am, Jeff, because the destruction of property was a protest by the colonies to, against the unfair treatment from the British rule. So mm-hmm. we teach our children in school about the way we rose up from our oppressors, in that case the British government, uh, Jesus Christ so, himself so you, so you, overturned so you tables. Think, Mark, uh, okay, Mark, so you think looting and burning and the, the degree of destruction and property that we've had, you think that that's justified because of this nope, one not, police officer in Minneapolis? That's what I'm asking you. I did I'm not asking say you. it's do, justified. Do you think, so you don't think it's justified? You don't, I don't think, think it's justified? I don't think it's justified, but I, okay. I don't think it's our place to sit there and try and... and uh, condemn every single action by a community that we can't possibly understand what they're going through because they ha- people are sitting there saying, don't be violent, don't be violent, which I get yeah. and I support. But every single person calling for nonviolent protest must clearly then have supported Colin Kaepernick when he took a nonviolent oh. protest and he took a no, knee. No, no, that no, means see, everybody supported him, right? No, see... No, no. See, this this is the this is the disconnect. Thanks for the call, Mark. But this this is the disconnect that, that is out there. This this idea that oh well, well. See, Colin Kaepernick kneeled down, and people who didn't think that what he was doing was right. Now this is this is what this leads to. The, the Kaepernick situation is just completely and totally different. Kaepernick has every right and had every right to engage in a protest. No, no question about it. The problem was he chose to do it on the job in his uniform, and the NFL decided they thought that. 
that was inappropriate. Just like in a workplace, workplaces have every right to control what it is that the employees do. If workplaces want to say you can't wear a button supporting a candidate or you can't wear a button supporting a cause, an employer has the right to do that. Nobody argued that Colin Kaepernick didn't have the right on his own time to try to express, you know, his different positions. But the so this this idea of conflating as well, you know, we had the peaceful protest with Colin Kaepernick and people didn't do that. So this now means the violence is justified. And I'm sorry, Mark, but you do sound like you're trying to justify that violence. Yeah, I look, I, I understand if you're outraged about, you know, the behavior of one police officer in Minneapolis and you think it's systematic, you have every right to be upset. You don't have a right to run into a Target store and steal a television set. You don't have a right to burn down a building. You don't have a right to go into a, an African-American-owned business that sells cell phones and steal every cell phone that you can find. You don't have a right to break into liquor stores and see how many cases of booze you can run off with. That's face it. That's not protest. That's not the Boston Tea Party. That is an effort to try to exploit the people who are engaging in protests to try to enrich yourself. And I guess it's troubling to me that there's people out there that won't recognize the difference because, again, I, I go back to this notion. If you're trying to win hearts and minds, right, the image is that you, you don't, the, the, the image of, of people burning police cars and dancing around as a fire station or a police station or or a business burns that that's okay maybe that's going to play real well in some segments of society but as a general rule if you're trying to bring people over to your side you know looting and burning is not going to be the way to do it at least that's kind of the way i see it and to me the, the whole colin kaepernick um, example is a complete and total red herring and for people who uh, again, want to argue that, well, this is how you get attention. Well, yeah, it's sort of like the people who say there's no such thing as bad publicity. They've never had bad publicity. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right, I, I have another question that's been percolating in the back of my mind since I've been watching the the, the rioting and the looting and, and the in general protest about what's been going on since the death of George Floyd a, a week ago today. And again, I start I go back to the basic premise that I started the show with, and that is that that I, I think everyone or almost everyone acknowledges that this was a situation where you had misconduct by a police officer and, and you had a murder, whether it's first-degree intentional homicide or third-degree murder, whatever. We, we all agree, or I, th- I think most people, you look at that videotape and you realize that what happened was really, really, really wrong. It was criminal, and there needs to be a prosecution. So I've been watching a lot of the the, the protests that have been going on, and, and again, I'm, I'm not even going down that rabbit hole uh, that, that some people, and you know who you are, go down to try to justify the looting and the arson and, and all that. That that's just that's a really weird rabbit hole, and I'm not going through that looking glass. But but I, I also watch the the other people who are are protesting in the peaceful fashion that they are entitled to protest, and I and I I see the big chance about. Um, you know, like no justice, no peace, and all those types of things. And I, I find myself wondering, okay, what is the overall, what is the end game here? Because, for example, the, the, the police officer who is responsible for the death of George Floyd, he, he's been charged with a crime. 
This is not a situation where somebody is not going to be held accountable. This is not a situation where the system looked the other way. Now, you can make an argument about, you know, why did it take three days to issue the charges, but I'm a former prosecutor, but before you bring charges, you want to make sure that you've got, you know, your your T's crossed and your I's dotted. So it's not like it was weeks and weeks. It's not like it was was months. For example, you've got that situation in Georgia where I think it's very fair to say, okay, why did it take so long to bring these charges? But in the case of the Minneapolis situation that set all this off, there, there, there is a move towards justice. The, the man who is responsible for taking the life of George Floyd has now been charged. He is in jail he will stand stand trial so i I mean i I see people that are legitimately upset that the fact that you had the the death of an african-american man at at the hands of a white police officer so I, i i understand it and i understand this is not the first time that that has happened but in this particular situation you you do have the the wheels of justice which are which are are turning the the man who's responsible has been charged with with a crime our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and I want to have a legitimate conversation in this segment of, of the program, which is, what is the end game? I mean, I, I watch television reports. I read lots of newspaper accounts. I, I, I listen to the radio news and stuff. And I, and I hear people talking about how frustrated and angry they are that this you know, death occurred. And it is. It is appalling. It is unacceptable. There needs to be justice. And I understand that this is not, over the years, it's not the first time that something like this has happened. But at the same time, you know, you, you have you have justice that is being done. What what is the end game here? What what do we want to have happen? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean what what, what do we want? You had a rogue cop. You had a cop who behaved uh, in a criminal fashion. He has now been charged criminally and presumably will spend a lot of time in prison if he's convicted. But what, what is the end game of these protests? How, what, what do we do? What, what is the purpose ultimately of this? Is it to replace every police chief in the country? Is it to fire all the police officers in, in the country? What, what are we what are we trying to gain? And, I, I mean, again, it, I, I hear people now chanting Black Lives Matter. Of course Black Lives Matter. I, d- does anybody really dis- dispute that? What, what should come of this? What is an appropriate end game? How, how do we get to the next step, and what is the next step? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where do we go from here? And I ask that question legitimately. And sincerely. Okay, our phone lines have just exploded. Let me take a quick break. Give Gru a chance to line up the calls back at the studio, and we will discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I... I, and I, this is a legitimate question, and it's a legitimate point of conversation. For the people who are out there protesting uh, uh, the the murder of George Floyd, and you get the no justice, no peace, and uh, but there has been justice, or at least we're in the way of getting justice for that. It, the man has been charged. He will you know, go through the criminal justice system. What, what is the 
end game, and how do we know when we've accomplished that? Now, I understand in some communities there's some people, and I don't think this is a majority opinion, but there's some people who view the police as, as an occupying force, and they don't want the police in their communities. Well, I, okay, really? I mean, do you, do you really want to just say, okay, we, we're, we're going to leave our communities open, and we don't want law enforcement, and we, we don't want people when, when other people are shot or their homes are broken into or they're burned down, we, we don't want the police? I, I don't. I don't think most people want that. What do you think the end game here is? Okay, let's start with Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, first What's of all, we do want justice for Mr. 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 Lloyd. The fact is, is that yeah, just because the officer was arrested doesn't mean he's going to be convicted. We all remember Frank Jude in, in, in Milwaukee. But the fact is, the, the initial thing is we want is that there to change the police, the culture in the police force where good police officers can come forward and say, listen, we don't want these bad officers around us, and, and began to say, listen, uh, to get rid of the bad officers. We will uh-huh. also want to change where a police officer was, who had multiple complaints uh, against him who, who ultimately ended up killing Mr. Lloyd. We want to... Now, uh, let, me, I, I, let, me, let me stop force. you there, because... Vince, let me stop you there, because I'll let you finish. But I, I think that is a fair point. I, I'm looking at this story. Um, the, the police officer who was responsible for the murder, at least been charged with that, 17 misconduct complaints. 17 misconduct complaints, yes. including several extreme. You know, you know, there's there's police misconduct. There's police misconduct. But he had he had multiple serious complaints against him and um n- nothing significant happened to him and I, I i do agree i mean matter of fact i, I kind of noted that i thought what is this guy doing on the force because even though i believe that the vast majority of police are are really good dedicated people there's going to be bad apples and by the way i agree with you um they, they need to do a better job of identifying those people who are the bad actors and getting them the heck off the police force before stuff like this happens Exactly, and so you need to need to stop this no snitching policy, and 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 and, and like you say, when the bad police officers go out here and, and act badly, the fact it reflects on the good police officers, and that and that and that's the problem. And so no, we the, the, the initial thing is we want to change the culture of the police department that continue to allow these individuals to be on the force even after they committed they had had multiple complaints and continue to to wreak havoc on the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, you know that. I, okay. Because that's. I mean, because I, I, I see the protest. You know, no justice, no peace. And I, I keep coming back to the idea. Okay, the guy has been criminally charged. What? What? What do we do? And if, if the question is, gee, you know, how do you have bad cops? And in this case. In this case, it's it's a white police officer, but I, I'm I suspect that you know if you were going to look through disciplinary files, you would find that there would be Hispanic police officers and there would be black police officers who also, you know, have you know records. And so I think to that extent, I mean, I think that that's fair. You know, you know why why are we not doing a better job of of getting rid of some of the the bad quote unquote bad police officers and if that's that's the goal okay i i understand it maybe you can end up working to that is that is that the end game chris in sheboygan chris you're on wtmj good afternoon good afternoon jeff um very great topic um i i i reference um what the end game should be change um, at, at, at the grassroots level, um, I'm going to give you two examples, past and present. 
Um, in the 90s, I was a gangbanger. Uh, bad person, drugs, guns, whatever. Personally watched one of my best friends get cold-blooded, murdered, um, shot in the head by an African-American male. Long story short, witness tampering, my family, my friends, myself, threatened. Long story short, couldn't prosecute. Moved, left the game, my life changed. I got a job, it got better. Um, I started learning um, the, 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 the basis of a dollar, work hard, pay your taxes. That's the past reference. Per, uh, uh, present reference. A few months ago, you talked about a meat packing plant or something along those lines that was going to be opening up possibly in a not-so-good part of Milwaukee. And right, that yeah. plant was right. pushed out, talked out for whatever reason. Um, that would have been a perfect example of good, hardworking, tax-paying, family-supporting, helping the community jobs that were pushed away for none other than maybe a vote for somebody in the future or some money in somebody's pocket. That's a present example of how grassroots change could start for the unfortunate folks that live in the bad parts of Milwaukee. Call them what you will. Um, it's a generational thing. Start young, get those families working, get those kids realizing that if my dad goes out, works hard, pays his taxes, it does pay off. I'm going to do the same thing, God willing, in a few generations. Maybe things will start changing. Thanks for the call, Chris. I, I appreciate it. I mean, it's just, I, I guess, and, and I mean, because I'm trying to focus on okay, these protests. Are they, are they, we're, we're trying to bring about change with the police departments so you, you don't have examples of rogue police officers who behave in this fashion? And that's that that that's going to be tough because there's always going to be quote unquote the the bad apples that are out there. Is this a push for broader societal change? And if so, you know, ar- articulate it. Tell tell us, you know, what what that is. Now I have a text here, Jeff. Jeff, if you're watching the coverage, you would know. Arrest, charge all four officers involved, and the riots would end today. I I know. I, I just I just I, I don't think so. I mean, the they arrested. And again, I don't know if the other three police officers that were on the scene, I don't know if the prosecutors are going to find a basis for charging them with criminal behavior or not. I, I just I, I don't know. That's I'll let somebody else. The attorney general, I guess, in Minnesota has taken over the case and they'll make that decision as to whether they can prove some offense beyond a reasonable doubt. My guess is there will be some charge. But but. I mean, they on Friday, they arrested the police officer who was responsible for the death of the man. And the quote-unquote rioting across the country accelerated. So I, I don't think it's based on, gee, you know, this is, we want justice in this particular case. And the idea that, gee, you arrest the other three police officers and everybody's going to go home and they're going to stop this, I, I don't see... I don't see that as being the, the case. I don't see that as being, you know, the the end game of all this. Um, you know, and 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 so that's that's what we have to figure out what what is what are people trying to accomplish? And I, I mean, I hear a lot of talk about let's let's establish dialogues and things like that. And that that's all that that's all well and good, and it's certainly not a, a bad thing. And I think you know you've seen a lot of police departments, and I'm a big fan of the Milwaukee police chief, who I, I think has been very open and very transparent about you know trying to get dialogues together with certain segments of the community. But again, when I, when I look at when I look at the looting, when I look at the violence, I, I do find myself asking the question: What what is the what is the point here? Is this 
is this like in the the 60s when people are, are marching for you know the 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 right to vote or you know eliminating barriers to voting is this like the 1970s or the late 60s when people are protesting with the message to end the Vietnam War I, I mean okay tell us Tell me what the end game is and, and where we're, we're trying to go. And if it's broader than let's prosecute these four police officers, okay, that's fine. Tell us how to get there, and then maybe we can all start working towards that end. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Now, you know, one of our callers, Vincent, makes a good point about the, the police misconduct. And I, I I do, I think it is fair to ask questions about systematically. And, and, and I guess I, I feel this way about any workplace, but particularly when you're talking about areas of law enforcement where we give people in law enforcement tremendous responsibility and, and tremendous rights. Um, they, they get to carry guns. They get to, you know, put you in handcuffs and, and take away your your liberty. And, you know, and, and something that goes along with that, by the way, is that once once they take once you are taken into custody, you become the responsibility of the people who have taken you into custody to make sure that bad things don't happen to you. And that was clearly a complete and total failure up in Minneapolis. But I, I do acknowledge that on, on many occasions what you'll see when you have these examples and, and by the way, when we're talking about police misconduct, serious police misconduct, they really are isolated examples. When you think about all the hundreds of thousands of people who, who work in law enforcement on a, on a daily basis, and the, these instances, and I'm in no way condoning what happened last Monday, but, but they, they are a rarity. Most people involved in law enforcement get up in the morning, they go to work, they do their job, they, they don't have problems, they come back. Now, you, you do have... You know, officers who have greater problems, and those are the ones. And I, I think, quite candidly, if you talk to a lot of rank and file police officers, they'll be honest that they'll they'll tell you they just like in your workplace, you you know who the really good employees are, and you know who that that handful of problem employees are. Same thing is true in law enforcement. It's not unique. Now, I, I'm looking at this story in the New York Times. Two decades with the Minneapolis Police Department and Derek Chauvin, he's the officer now charged with the homicide, faced at least 17 misconduct complaints. And um, in those 17 misconduct complaints, some were what I would call really, really minor. And, And that's, you know, in law enforcement, people like to you know complain criminals like to complain about the way they were treated that's just kind of a reality it's it's not a racial thing it's just they like to complain about that and so it's not uncommon to find a police officer who's had a a couple complaints that have been filed against them over the years and generally it's for what i'm going to describe as as minor stuff didn't like the guy's attitude etc in this particular case 17 misconduct complaints and many of which were were pretty significant. He was named in a police brutality lawsuit. He was admonished for using derogatory language with the public. Um, he tussled with a man before firing two shots, critically wounding him. And there, there was all these different complaints. There was essentially no discipline except for one, maybe two letters of reprimand. So I, I think you look at this and you say, okay, why weren't we more aggressive in doing this? And I think that is one of the challenges for 
police chiefs and police departments moving forward ways to identify these police officers who, frankly, shouldn't be police officers. And is is that going to stop, you know, misconduct by a police officer? No. Will it reduce it a bit? Yeah. So, I mean, if that's if that's one of the goals, I think it's a goal that people should be willing to get behind. If there's bad apples in any employment situation, let, let's try to, to, to get rid of them. And if that's one of the fundamental changes, oh, okay. I get it. That's fine. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. In the uh, 12 o'clock hour of the program, We uh, in a conversation we were having with one of the, the callers, I think I indicated that I, I, I did not think President Trump had been helpful with the, some of the, the things that he has said, the, the referencing the former Miami police chief and the, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And today, apparently, in a conference call with a number of the governors, he called the governors weak um, and you know said they would look like fools if they didn't use force to confront protesters, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't dominate, you're wasting your time, et cetera. And my, my response was I didn't think that that was particularly helpful now a number of people are saying well, well jeff didn't, didn't you see what he said at, at nasa on on saturday and i said yeah i have actually have seen that speech it it, it did not get a lot of attention but you know on, on over the weekend you had the the, the, the space launch and before he, he gave a speech down there so he was in florida and and i, I want to just here's a couple of the remarks that that he made he started off his speech by saying Let me just read a portion of it. Before going further on this exciting day for all American space, I want to say a few words about the situation in Minnesota. The death of George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis was a grave tragedy. It should never have happened. It has filled Americans all over the country with horror, anger, and grief. Yesterday I spoke to George's family and expressed the sorrow of our entire nation for their loss. I stand before you as a friend and ally to every American seeking justice and peace. And I stand before you in firm opposition to anyone exploiting this tragedy to loot, rob, attack, and menace. Healing, not hatred, justice, not chaos, are the mission at hand. The police officers involved in this incident have been fired from their jobs. One officer has already been arrested and charged with murder. State and federal authorities are carrying out an investigation to see what further charges may be warranted, including against, sadly, the other three. In addition, my administration has opened a civil rights investigation, and I've asked the Attorney General and the Justice Department to expedite it. I understand the pain that people are feeling. We support the right of peaceful protesters, and we hear their pleas. But what we are now seeing on the streets of our city has nothing to do with justice or with peace. The memory of George Floyd is being dishonored by rioters, looters, and anarchists. The violence and vandalism is being led by Antifa and other radical left-wing groups who are terrorizing the innocent, destroying jobs, hurting businesses, and burning down buildings. The main victims of this horrible, horrible situation are the citizens who live in these once lovely communities. The mobs are devastating the life's work of good people not and destroying their dreams. Right now, America needs creation, not destruction, cooperation, not contempt, security, not anarchy, and there will be no anarchy. Civilization must be cherished, defended, and protected. The voices of law-abiding citizens must be heard and heard very loudly. We cannot and must not allow a small group of criminals and vandals to wreck our cities and lay waste to our communities. We must defend the rights of every citizen to live without violence, prejudice, or fear. 
We support the overwhelming majority of police officers who are incredible in every way and devoted public servants. They keep our city safe, protect our communities from gangs and drugs, and risk their own lives from us uh, for us every day. No one is more upset than fellow law enforcement officers by the small handful who fail to abide by their oath to serve and protect. My administration will stop mob violence, and it will stop it cold. Um, and then he goes on to talk about how working to create opportunity zones to put new investment in the community, um, says the leadership of the National Guard and the Department of Justice are in communication with state officials. We're coordinating efforts with law enforcement all across the nation in America. Justice is never achieved at the hands of an angry mob. I will not allow angry mobs to dominate uh, we will stand with the family of George Floyd, with the peaceful protesters, and every law-abiding citizen who wants decency, civility, safety, and security. We are working towards a more just society, but that means building up, not tearing down, joining hands, not hurling fists, standing in solidarity, not surrendering to, surrendering to hostility. And then he goes on to talk about the space program. Our number. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I think it is fair to criticize the president for some of, of the tweets that came out the, the first couple nights. Again, the when the looting starts, the shooting starts, it's it just why, why you would say that, to me, it's it just it's not helpful. I, I'm not sure I think berating governors on a conference call today and calling them weak, etc., I'm not sure I think that's helpful. Putting that aside, though, all right, the, the, the speech on Saturday and, and the sentiments expressed, I mean, what was that statesmanlike? Was that uh, appropriate? Did he hit a home run with those remarks? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Is there something more the president could have said? Is there something more the president could have done? Um, that speech he gave on Saturday, was maybe that the speech he should have given early on instead of some of the tweets that, that he ended up sending out? 855-616-1620 is maybe the lesson of this that, that you know, sometimes you, you can't be statesmanlike in, in 140 characters. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in, in just a moment. All right, th- that's, that's pretty much what the president said on Saturday. Candidly, I, I think those remarks were were strong. I think those marks were good. I think that they were appropriate. They did not get a lot of attention um, from the, the mainstream media, and to the extent they got attention, people focused on his, his reference to Antifa, which is the the radical, you know, left left wing organization that's out there fomenting a lot of violence, and it got attention for that remark. But I mean, did, did the president, you know, did did the president? hit a home run, at least with his remarks on Saturday. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer would be, I think those remarks were incredibly appropriate. If I was going to have a criticism, my criticism would be that that speech was not given at the beginning of, of all this, as opposed to, you know, after some of the tweets and things. All right, we're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. 
Um, let's see, Jeff. Sometimes statesmanship is like is like the political swamp. I agree with the president that the governors are weak. They are not leading. They are pandering. Well, that 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 may very well be, and some some governors might exactly be doing that. I guess the the issue is by by the president calling them weak, and you know that's going to be public. Does it advance any sort of cause? Um, let's see, Jeff, I think it was a triple, not a home run. He didn't mention anything about racism or that we have heard your cries or anything of that nature. Racism is the reason people are upset, but he didn't use that word once throughout his speech. Everything else he said, however, was great in, in my opinion. Jeff, I think the resurgence of space exploration could be used as a modern-day WPA to create jobs in the aftermath of COVID-19, and I think President Trump missed an opportunity, though his remarks on both the civil unrest and the space launch were quite appropriate, and I felt presidential. Um, Jeff, he speaks. Um, if Okay, uh, he's, if you think that he, he wrote that speech, um, you need to think again. That was not him at all. Sorry. Well, okay, he, he's, giving, he's giving the speech there. Um, Jeff, the mainstream newscast did not cover the speech on Nightly News. They just did edited versions of his tweets to put him in the bad light, which has been their normal procedure. Jeff, that's the frustration with Trump. He can be statesmanlike and determined to solve problems when he interacts with others. Then he goes off half-cocked on a Twitter rampage and undoes great work and legitimizes his opponents. Jeff, too little, too late. Um, Few people respect him after the unnecessary comments. Time to step up and lead the country and and unify. And that's, you know, I I think the the problem the president has had, and and this this goes back to the the demonstrations in in Virginia a couple years back, and, you know, he ended up giving what I thought was an exceptional speech, but it was only after two or three days of comments, and then he kind of reverted again, and, and a lot of the stuff that, that he said ended up getting lost. This, to me, is, again, another one of these situations. I think if you look at the remarks the president made on Saturday, and, and I quoted just an extensive amount of them to you, that I, I think it was the appropriate tone. I think it was an accurate sentiment, and I think it reflects it reflects where the vast majority of the country is on this issue. Namely, we are appalled by the the misconduct of the police officer. We want to see the police officer brought to justice, and if others, you know, who were on the scene that day deserve to be prosecuted, let's investigate that. Let let's bring the appropriate charges. We are sorry for the the death, and our hearts go out to the family of the man who lost his life. At the same time, we we don't condone. Violence. We support peaceful protests, but we don't condone violence and we don't condone the anarchy. That is precisely the right tone to take. And I I guess to me it's just unfortunate that the the president waited till Saturday to do it. Um, And and only after uh, a couple of the, the tweets, including the, you know, when when the looting starts, the shooting starts, which is not again, I, I don't think that's that's helpful. The speech he gave on Saturday I thought was the appropriate tone, and I think he deserves credit for it, but it gets lost again with with the different tweets that end up coming out there. So uh, those were the president's remarks on that. All right, I, I'm intrigued by an, an, I'm, I'm intrigued by what, what has been going on with the various protests and the, the way this is impacting things. For example, we have been 
I mean, our lives have been put on hold for the last several months because of shutdowns related to the ongoing pandemic. It's only now that we're starting to gradually reopen the country. And for the last several weeks, we've been having this ongoing discussion about when is it appropriate to reopen the country and under what circumstances and the people wearing masks and can you have large gatherings and all these different things. Well, okay, that all went out the window over the course of the last week when you have had massive protesters and some of the protesters wearing masks, a lot of the protesters not wearing masks, uh, large gatherings, which in general have been outlawed by mayors of different cities or you know governors of different states. Well, okay, the people that decided they wanted to take to the streets and protest, they, they, they weren't paying any attention to that, that at all, and they were out there expressing their rights to protest, which does, I think, raise this question moving forward about is, is this effectively... Has this brought the end of the efforts of government to try to regulate people now getting together in the age of COVID-19? Because, again, we've been told for the longest time, don't have church services. We've been told for the longest time, you know, don't, don't go out and let the kids play a pickup soccer game or something like that because there's all these dangers. You know, don't, don't go running in a group of friends, you know, because there, there's too much problem. Well, well now we've seen we're, we're kind of now past that because you have people who are protesting and they're getting together in large groups and they're not practicing social distancing because they're, again, they're exercising the First Amendment rights. Having done this, I think it's going to be really, really tough to go back to where we were a week and a half ago. I think it's going to be really tough to say, okay, we're, we're not going to allow, you know, larger gatherings anymore. And I understand that, you know, that this wasn't that the people who were engaging in the protest, it wasn't a frivolous type of thing. I, I understand all that. But now that people have felt that they're going to be able to go out in public, it seems to me it's going to be difficult to put that genie back in the bottle and now say, okay, well, we've just had this massive demonstration in, in Waukesha, or we've had you know hundreds of people that were you know gathering together in a park in downtown Milwaukee and walking in close quarters down the street. And, and of course, understandably, am I, I'm not suggesting that the police should have tried to enforce social distancing rules or anything like that. That would have been like throwing gasoline onto a fire but given the fact that we've now looked the other way on all that stuff you know can we ever go back and say okay well it was it was okay for a week of protests but now we're going to try to you know enforce gathering's in parks for family stuff I, I think I, I think this is probably as an effective matter brought an end to government attempts to regulate mass gatherings. Now, hopefully people will continue to be smart, hopefully recognizing that COVID-19 is still with us, although the last day or so has brought some good some good numbers with regard to that. But hopefully people are still going to be smart. Hopefully people are going to maintain social distancing. Hopefully people aren't going to be jumping into large crowds. But, but I do wonder, we were always wondering, okay, when... When is this going to end? And I seriously wonder whether or not we, we've now seen the end of the government attempts to clamp down on large gatherings, given the fact that we, we look the other way and we'll apparently continue to look the other way as long as these protests are going on. Okay, is that going to be now the, the rule, which is, okay, 
Go back. You can get together in large groups again because, again, if you're going to allow the protesters to do it, and I have no problem with them doing that, how, how can you say, all right, that, that family gathering or that neighborhood party, you've got 20 people. Well, well, you guys can't get together after we've just allowed the 2,000 people to march down the street. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Now, now don't get me wrong. I am not arguing that the Milwaukee Police Department or the Madison Police Department or the Racine Police Department or any police department should have attempted to go out and start issuing tickets for these mass protests that were going on for people who weren't practicing social distancing or didn't have masks on or whatever. I, that, that, to me, would have been silly, and it would have also, I think, undoubtedly led to a lot of problems. But, but I, I raise the issue only because if you're going to you know, look the other way and you're going to say, okay, we, we're, we're not going to enforce these rules, we have instructed people, but you know, here people are taking the street carrying a protest sign. My point is, moving forward, how can you enforce those rules in other similar situations? For example, over the weekend, you had a, a number of Catholic churches that began you know, limited reopenings, and, and this was something that was uh, being cautioned against by, by various elected officials who were saying, no, let, let's not end up doing this. And I guess I, my, my question is, okay, so moving forward, are we going to say, okay, you, you can't have 50 to 100 people who gather together to worship in a church, but it's okay to have, I don't know, 2,000 people that are going to be carrying protest signs roaming around. And, and I understand there's a difference between inside and outside, but that, that's distinctions without a difference. I think the, the effect of all this has been, you know, moving forward, what we now see, or what we should be seeing, is, is government starting to get out of this and allowing the decision to be made by the individual businesses, and in this case, the, for example, the, the churches. Church I go to, um, which has lots of older people in the congregation, has made the decision that I, I think they're going to continue doing virtual services through the end of June and, th- and then kind of decide. And so, I mean, I'm watching a lot of these churches, for example, engage in behavior that I think is, is very, very reasonable. What's the nature of the congregation? How worried are we about this, etc.? But again... And I'm going to be making this argument moving forward. If it's okay to violate social distancing rules and get together in large groups, if it's okay to do that for the purpose of engaging in a protest and the police officers are going to knowingly allow that to happen, as I think they should have, how, how can they close down other gatherings in parks or public places? It, it's tough to be consistent with that. So maybe... Maybe one of the things that's happened is we're seeing a corner being turned, at least in the way the government deals with mass gatherings in the age of COVID-19. When we come back, something else that might be different moving forward, I will explain and we will discuss. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Um, It's interesting. I I was out and about a a bit over the, the weekend, going to various places. And my wife goes into most of the stores. I, I don't. But it, one of the things that I was starting to notice, and maybe your experience has been different, but 
I was noticing fewer and fewer people, I would say, over this weekend who were out and about were wearing face coverings, were wearing masks than maybe two weeks ago. It, it seems to me that there's, and I'm not saying people aren't wearing masks, don't get me wrong, um, but it seems to me there's kind of a, a corner being turned to an extent, and I see fewer people wearing masks, which isn't to say that there's nobody you know, wearing masks, but I see fewer people as we start to get back into the, the swing of things and start to return to some sense of, of normalcy. Now, it, it had me thinking, though, moving forward. I used to, I, I'm a huge fan of Las Vegas. There is no secret about that. And one of the things that I would always notice when I would go to Las Vegas is there is a, there's a, a large number of people from Asia Chinese, Japanese, etc., who who go to Las Vegas, and that that's and so it's not uncommon if you're walking, if you're walking through a casino or you're you know walking you know up up and down the strip, it is not uncommon to see people who appear to be again Chinese, Japanese, whatever, who are are wearing masks because it, it's a more common thing in, in Asia, and that's, that's before COVID-19. It was just for, for whatever reasons. It's a cultural thing, and if you've ever seen some of the TV footage or podcasts from Hong Kong or China or whatever, and, and you look at people on the street, it's not unusual at all to see people who, as a matter of course, are wearing some form of, of face covering. They're, they're, wearing, they're wearing masks. Now, I understand that what's happened here over the course of the last couple months is that that wearing masks has become in some respects a political statement as well as just a a health statement and i understand right now the cdc guidance is if you're out and about you know wear wear a mask and some people choose to do it and other people don't our number 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line as we continue to reopen the state and the country, do you think as a matter of routine, more and more people will just start wearing their masks whenever they go out? Because, again, now I I think that there's, I I think that there's some things that are are, are some changes that we've made that we're not going to go back to. I mean, for example, I, I now carry around a, a bottle of hand sanitizer, a little bottle of hand sanitizer with me, and after I touch things, I, I just I, almost routine. It's like a habit. It's like putting on a seatbelt when you get behind the wheel of the car. I, I use the hand sanitizer, and I, I kind of I, I wash I wash my hands. I'm trying to I'm trying to be much more conscious of of that. I think I think the whole idea of shaking hands and and having you know contact, particularly with strangers, I, I think. I think maybe we've changed our society forever with regard to that. Now, does that mean that with like close friends of mine or, you know, a couple, if we're over at somebody's house, does that mean that, you know, we're, we're not going to shake hands? No. But among strangers, yeah, I think that that might be a, a different kind of dynamic. So I think that there are some changes that are going to be out there. But moving forward, as as we come become more acclimated to living with coronavirus or even even after you know, we get a vaccine or something for coronavirus, but we don't know what the next thing's going to be out there is. Do you think, are you are people going to be more inclined to do what we see, for example, in Asia, which is just as a matter of routine, wear masks when they're in public settings, wear masks on buses, wear masks on subways, wear masks when they're in crowded stores. Is this going to be something that, like, out 
outlives COVID-19. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back with your calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Hey, Bob Euchre calls another Brewers classic. We turn the Wayback Machine to 2011, the Brewers' first division championship since 1982. Tune in next Wednesday, 6 o'clock, as the crew tries to clinch the postseason berth. Tune in Wednesday, 6 o'clock. We're one week closer to live Brewers baseball. Brewers Classic, sponsored by your local carrier dealer, American Family Insurance, Biofuels Association, You Singer's Famous Sausage, Engman Taylor, and Sartori Cheese. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, again, outside of big cities or, or Las Vegas, where, again, you would notice a number of people who were from Asia who were wearing masks, which is something that's been common for, for years there, uh, you, you didn't see that very often in the United States. I'm wondering whether you think after we, we come out of this pandemic, whenever that is, are more and more people just in an effort to protect themselves from germs, do you think more and more people are just going to continue wearing masks? Is this going to be a more common sight moving forward? Let's start with uh, Steve in Milwaukee. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Oh, hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So, yeah, I think, uh, like I told your screener, I think once once we kind of get into the into the fall and the winter, uh, I, I think you'll still see people that are wearing the masks, but um, I think it'll probably be more like uh, kind of like the way it probably should have been from the get-go, which was, was, was you'll see like, you know, maybe seniors or people with compromised mm-hmm. immune systems and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So the more vulnerable you, you think, so you think it's going to kind of be generational, the more vulnerable, maybe younger people, no way. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's what I think. I mean, if you've got a uh-huh. compromised immune system, I mean, that's that's one thing. But um, and and unfortunately, there's always going to be a, a political element to it. You know, uh, I think going forward, uh, yeah. especially this year with with the election and stuff. But, you know, like I said, after this election, after once we, once we get into winter and stuff and if this thing makes a second round, you know, then then hopefully we could do better. Uh, as far as our response and and stuff, we're not hopefully going to shut everything down for two months or three months again. But uh, as far the as congregation, yeah, the congregation says yeah. amen. No, thanks for the call, Steve. No, I guess, and I guess I'm I, in discussing this. I'm I'm wondering about broader pictures. Like I say, in 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 Asia, you have people who, as a matter of course, especially in in the heavily popul- populated areas, who, as a matter of course routinely when they're around lots of people they, they routinely wear masks that that's just i i don't know i, I don't know that there's a study whether it says it's 50 percent or 30 percent or whatever but it but it is not an uncommon thing that would have before now been uncommon in the united states so i mean i'm wondering is this going to be the new normal not just for covid19 but for anything else hey we're just we're going to wear we're going to wear masks when we're out in public 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line janelle on the east side janelle you're on wtmj good afternoon hi jeff thanks for taking my call sure um i think i think you and i both know the answer to this and that is that broadly american culture is not going to change 
in terms of wearing a mask outdoors uh, or in public. Um, right. Unfortunately, and as the previous caller said, and, and just like so many things in American life, we cannot divorce politics from it. If wearing a mask is seen as a political uh, a political statement, even though it should be a very inert one, um, in Asia that's different. They've had to deal with SARS. They had to deal with bird flu. Probably a lot of other things that, that we're not really even aware of. Um, and I think right. culturally there's just such a big difference between, like, the American individualism, you can't tell me what to do, I'm not afraid, versus a lot of Asian countries don't see it that way. So I don't think things right. will change broadly. Have you missed fewer and fewer people wearing masks over the last week or two? Oh, my God, absolutely. So, I, you know, I live on the east side. I see it a lot more. Um just in the day-to-day interactions, even people walking out on the street. But I work in the yeah. suburbs, and, uh, you know, at the peak, we were probably seeing at a grocery store maybe 75% buy-in. It's gone dramatically down. And, in fact, when I wear a mask in public out in the suburbs, I kind of feel like I'm going to get harassed sometimes. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. No, no, thanks for calling. See, see, I don't understand, and, and I've said, regardless of where you come down on the mask thing, I, I don't, I do not understand that the harassment, one way or the other. I mean, if, I, I did a story the other day about somebody, as a matter of fact, somebody, a listener had emailed me about how some guy followed her around the store screaming that she wasn't wearing a, a mask and that meant she must be a blanking Trump supporter and stuff like that. And I'm like, really? A- at the same time, and then I, I had people who were saying, well, you know, we're, we're, it's the other side. We've been mocked for wearing masks. To me, first so if the business says wear masks, you, you wear a mask. Um, if the business doesn't say you wear a mask, well, then I think you you know let your conscience be your guide. But one way or the other, the, the idea that you're going to abuse people is just kind of beyond me. I, I think Janelle is on to something. I think moving forward, you are going to see – I think there's some people who've just – gotten into the habit of doing that, just like I was using the example of seatbelts. It, it be, ends up becoming a habit, and they're going to feel, even even when we get past the or, or the daily counts about how many people tested positive for COVID-19, I, I think there's going to be people who get comfortable with it and believe that from a health perspective, it, it's in their, their interest to do that and will continue to do it. Will it be a huge segment of the population? Probably not, but I do think it's going to be more common moving forward than than certainly it was beforehand. 855-616-1620. Dwayne in Kenosha. Dwayne, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Well, I'm going to take Hi. the opposite uh, stance. I drive for a medical transportation company, and I have sick people in my van every day of the week. Right. I've been doing this for for like eight years now, and before the coronavirus, I never really thought about wearing a mask. But mm-hmm. now, after all this, I I intend to uh, wear a mask all the time, irregardless. Mm-hmm. How about not just on the job, but how about in your personal life, going into grocery stores, going into big box retailers, not just when you're driving sick people around? Do you think you're going to wear a mask? Just in other aspects oh, yeah. of everyday life? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, probably the only place I wouldn't wear a mask would be at home. But other than that, I think I'll continue to wear one. If nothing else, it's better to be safe than sorry, I guess. 
No, no, thanks for calling. No, and I, I don't, by the way, I don't think you're alone. I, I don't, I don't, my sense is, and I could be wrong, my sense is that's not going to be the majority position, but I will also say I, I think there, there's a number of professions moving forward. I, I have a very, very dear friend who works at a, at a nursing home. And I, I think moving, and she's not even in patient care. She's in, like, the business side of it. But, I mean, the, I, I think moving forward, I think especially if you work in and around people who are particularly vulnerable, I, I think whether whether it's the flu season, and, again, I know COVID-19 is not the flu, but moving forward, whether it's the flu or whether it's coronavirus or some other unknown black swan that might be out there, I think that you know moving forward, I think in a lot of those industries, it, it's going to be the norm. And I, I was saying the other day, I said, Mary, I think you, you just better get used to wearing that mask because my guess is, that's going to be moving forward. What's going to happen, James in Milwaukee? James, you're on WTMJ. How you doing, Jeff? Hi, James. What do you think? Well, I think I think like like one of your other callers said. I think it's going to be a social uh, the younger younger people not and the older people yes. But I think uh, the other thing you're going to see is uh, social distancing. Uh, that yes. that that space of being that for a long time. Hugs, kisses. Handshakes and stuff like that. I think it's going to be gone for a while too. I think that yeah. that uh, it's going to take a long, take a time uh, before that all comes mm-hmm. on back and stuff like that. But if it comes back again, that we get it this fall with the whether it's Corona or any other virus, I, you know, as much as it did before, I think maybe we'll, we'll all go back to masks and or other types of equipment of that nature to protect ourselves so that we don't uh, how do you say the mm-hmm. word end up in hospitals and stuff or you know, whatever else. Yeah, yeah James, thanks for the call. Well, I, I do, I mean, I do think there's going to be some changes moving forward. My, my guess is some people will continue, like I say, to wear the masks, but I, that, that's probably a smaller percentage. But I think there are, I, I think the, the whole concept of social distancing and not wanting to get around large groups of people, I think protests notwithstanding this weekend, I, I think that's going to be the case you know, moving moving forward, I think it's going to be a while before a lot of people, particularly vulnerable populations, decide that they want to pour into an event and sit on bleachers surrounded by three or four thousand strangers. Again, in my case, it's a smaller situation, but like I say, that hand sanitizer is going to be part of my life moving forward, and I, I find myself just just doing that automatically now. I'm not a germaphobe. I don't think I'm unreasonably or unrealistically, you know, afraid of of getting sick. But at the same time, it, it seems to me it kind of makes sense to. So I'm, I mean, I'm constant. I'm conscious about. Let's okay. Let's use the hand sanitizer and let's try not to touch your face and your mouth and <laughs> as much as you might otherwise have done. Let's talk to Karen. Carolyn in Milwaukee. Caroline, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Um, Hi. Well, I am a mask wearer, and um, I appreciate it when other people wear masks. However, having two friends, with uh, one with an autoimmune disease um, and then trigeminal nerve d- damage, which is in her jawbone, um, or my other friend who has severe asthma, Wearing a mask for them is actually quite dangerous. Um, It causes him to have breathing problems, and it causes her to be in in so much pain. She's in bed for three days. So my my thing about that is that they've been getting so much judgment for not wearing a mask. And my friend, um, she just is in tears because she goes out and she gets harassed all the time for not wearing a mask. But she has to go out because, you know, she's a single mom. So it's just, it's terrible. (laughs) Um, I wish that people would be more understanding of people who 
don't wear masks because maybe there is something to it with whether, you know, she's not she's not conservative, she's not a Republican, but she can't wear a mask. So suddenly this, politi- this politicizing of it, she's very proud to be a liberal, and she hates it, all the judgment. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Okay, so moving forward, Caroline, do you think this is going to be more and more common? Do you think, do you think even after this is done, people are going to still wear masks or not? Um, I kind of think so. I think there's going to be the concern because I, I work in retail management and there's, um, there is concern about people coming into stores and stealing and not being able to get them on video camera because they are wearing masks. So there right. is going to be that catch 22. So, um, I mean, I'm almost, I've been hearing some suggestion of when people come in, they, um, they actually take off their mask for a moment just so that way their face can be seen on the camera and then put it back on. So I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be a question of what is the best answer, and I think one has to do what is the best for oneself. Caroline, thanks for the call. I'm just, I'm I'm thinking, boy, I'm just, I'm thinking about like future talk show topics. I'm wondering. I got. I got to think through what my response to that would be. But if you have businesses saying, "Look, you got to wear a mask in our business," or you can wear a mask if you choose, but you have to pull it down so we can see your face and then pull it up. I got to think about how I feel about that. But if if that becomes the norm, I guarantee you it's going to be you know an hour's worth of great talk radio on the show. Jeff, my daughter is a student, works part time at a Piggly Wiggly in Oconomowoc. I asked her in the last day or two if the majority of people were still wearing masks she said the number of people wearing masks has dropped dramatically since early um since april and early may um yeah i think that that's that's probably the the case i I think i don't think that as a country we're we're ready to go to the mask stuff full time but i do think that there's going to be a certain percentage whether it's 10 or 20 percent there's going to be people who wear masks in public um moving forward for a long time This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.